This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, I want to go back to last week's Pasha for a minute. Before I go back to last week's Pasha, I got to keep you updated on, on the mountain situation. So, because it all, it all started here. We started talking about the mountains there of the Tishabov, and then it got out, and everybody was talking about it, and the whole place was tumbling. And Baruch Hashem, last month in Shabbos, there were no parties. And we, we rented the, uh, we rented a bowling alley for the girls at Liberty. And we rented the pool hall for the boys. That was the pool hall where there were 250 kids the week before. Girls and boys don't ask what's going on. Baruch Hashem, there were only boys there. There was shooting pool. It was very, very beautiful. And, and, and Baruch Hashem, what we started off and, and everybody said was impossible. You can't change it. It's an outbreak. It's a cancer. It's, it's impossible. You can't, you know, a few people can't change it. A few people went out, a few married couples, a few Atzala members, a few Rabbeins. And, uh, and Baruch Hashem, it took two weeks and, and the mountains have totally changed. There were curfews in camps. There were curfews in, 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 in uh, bungalow colonies. Parents who didn't know where their kids were the week before asked their kids, where are you, where are you going? If you're going for pizza, you better be back here in an hour. And all of a sudden, Baruch Hashem, I mean, the whole bowling alley was maybe 20, 30 girls showed up. And we had a bowling alley that could take 186 people. But the reason we found out that only 20, 30 girls showed up, because everybody else was on the lock and key. That's Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, that's what we wanted. So, so, and that's what my, my whole, my whole share is going to be about tonight. That you, it's not, the mission says, we're going to talk about it. It's not for you to finish. It's not for you to finish. It's for Hashem to finish, but you have to start. You have to try. You have to try. You, know, you, you can't give up and say the problem is too big, I can't, I can't handle it. person has to try. And that's what I'm going to really talk about tonight. But I want to go back to last week's Tasha for a minute. I spoke about this this past Shabbos in, in my bungalow account. So in last week's Tasha, Tasha's Akev, Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating in the, in the book of Devarim, he repeats everything that happened in the first four books. So he's repeating the story of the Ego, right? And... He says the following. He says like this, that he came down and and he, he saw that there was an Egel and Akash Baruch was very upset, as we know. And Akash Baruch said the following. We're looking for a certain word. But Yom HaShem couldn't really come down. And Akash Baruch said the following. Yom HaShem Eli Leymar. So Moshe Ben was now repeating. He said, Hashem said to me saying, Hashem said, I see this nation. Klai Israel is very, very stubborn. Very stubborn nation. And now it goes both with us to much of the following words. Heref mimeni. Heref mimeni means release me. Let me go. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Because both said to Moshe Amen. Heref mimeni. Leave me alone. And I will destroy them. And I will wipe out their name from underneath the Shemayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu, leave me alone. And I'm going to destroy Klai Yisrael. And I'm going to make you into the new nation. Okay? So Hashem gave him a commandment. He said, leave me alone. Don't pray. They did the Egel. They deserve what they're going to get. Leave me alone. It's an interesting arrest me many. Go away from me. Three Pesukim later. Three psukim later, Moshe Rabbeinu is now repeating the whole story to Klai Yisrael. So he's telling us that Hashem told him to leave me alone. Three psukim later, he says, so you know what I did? What did I do? 
I prayed, I begged and I prayed for mercy like I did the first time. For 40 days and 40 nights I begged and I begged and I begged for mercy for that Hashem should, should forgive you and let you be. So the question that's asked is if Hashem commanded any one of us to leave me alone. I'm not listening to you. Get out of here. I want to destroy Israel, and I'll, I'll take care of you and I'll make a nation out of you. So if Hashem commands us something like that, we have to listen. So how can Moshe Rabbeinu be a machutzif? Right? How do you say machutzif in English? I really have a word for the machutzif, right? Brazen. Okay, that's not really good enough, but... But how can it be brazen enough? What? Abrasive? No, brazen. Brazen is like machutzif. That's a good word. What? Presumptuous. Okay, I have to be careful with my list, but fuck, that word's not. Okay, you have to know which words to pick. Brazen I can have. Z is not a problem. So... Where did Moshe Rabbeinu have the permission to be so brazen? Say, Hashem, you told me to go away? I don't care. I'm going to go now and I'm going to pray. And how would Hashem even listen to him? Hashem says, leave me and don't talk to me. I want to do what I have to do. Why would Hashem listen to him praying for 40 days? So, there's a very beautiful answer to this. And, 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 and I think it has a lot to do with what happened in the mountains. And, and it has a lot to do with each one of us. And how, how a person can make, you know, I, I always tell you what's wrong, what's wrong. But i got to help you how to make changes. You need to make changes, but, you know, Rabbi, tell me how to make changes. So this passage teaches us how to make changes. Listen carefully. It depends if you want to help or you don't want to help. If you want to help, what did Moshe Rabbeinu hear here? He heard Hashem say, If you leave me alone, I'll destroy Klai That's what he heard Hashem say. If you leave me alone, I'll destroy Klai and I'll make a nation from you. So a person who wants to make a difference, Moshe Rabbeinu, who would never let the Jewish nation be destroyed, he heard what he needed to hear. You know what Hashem said to me? He said, if I leave them alone, they're gone. So what do I got to do? I got to jump down and on my knees and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. Because Hashem said, if I don't, life's always going to be destroyed. But the person who doesn't want to do anything, he heard, Hashem said, Hashem said, you shouldn't do anything. Hashem said, leave me alone. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. So it depends where your head is. If your head is to make a difference in Klai Yisrael, then when Hashem says, leave me alone, or when someone says, it's impossible, you can't make such a big change, it's such a big problem, what you would hear is, without me, it's impossible. But with me, I can make it possible. The person who doesn't want to hear any, do anything, they say, oh man, what's the difference? I'm not going to make a difference anyway. It's a very, very important plastic. You guys, you're not baseball players, you're probably not, many of you are baseball fans. And I don't like to quote, you know, non-Jewish sources. But this quote was found in Pasha Parables. Rabbi Kamenetsky writes in the Pasha Parables, so I'm going to step across the border and I'm going to quote a, a big baseball player. So the baseball player's name was Ted Williams. Ted Williams was one of the best baseball players that ever lived. And he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Why is he in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Because he had an average of 400. Even the best baseball players today have an average of 3, 310, 315, 323. It's an interesting game. It's an interesting game. I wish I would have been able to play it better than I do. But it's a game where you get paid $50 million to hit one out of three. If you hit one out of three, you're in the Hall of Fame. If your average is 333, you're a Hall of Famer. America, it's a beautiful land. You understand? You're getting $25 million, and, 
You know, I try to tell that to my father. When I passed one test out of three, it didn't work. I said, I should be in the Hall of Fame in Yeshiva. They should put me in the Hall of Fame. I passed one out of three. Meanwhile, they're sending me home, telling me not to come back, right? Yeshiva's not a baseball game, what can I tell you? But this guy, Ted Williams, hit 400. Nobody hits 400. So they went over to him and they asked him, Mr. Williams, how did you do it? How is it possible that you hit 400? No other baseball player had an average of 400, which means you hit, I guess, you know, more than one out of every three. You do the math, maybe two out of every five, something like that. Right? So he answered the following. Very, very unbelievable answer. He said, listen to me. He said, every time a pitcher pitches you the ball, there's one ball that he throws to you that's hittable. If you stand there and you don't swing, the next bunch of them are going to be curveballs and and screw balls and drop balls and all kinds of stuff, you're not going to get near it. But there's always one pitch that's hittable. Don't stand there and not swing. Because if you don't, you'll never hit 400. Which means that in your life, there's always something. Like this Bible always gives you a chance. There are many things that are almost impossible to do, but there's always something that you could do. And if you're going to stand there and say, eh, this is not important, this is not going to make a big change, and you're going to let that one go by, the rest of them are going to be coming at you from every different corner, you're not going to be able to touch them. So, it depends on your mindset. If your mindset is that I want to make a difference, and I can make a difference, then I encourage both of like to help And I cannot tell you, I cannot get into the particulars of what happened up in the mountains, but I have seen in the last three weeks miracles Stuff that we weren't interested in doing that happened just from the whole thing happening. Girls that are going to go to Shem Israel to seminary that were girls that we met in the worst and the lowest places I think you could imagine in your mind, in your life. And we gave out our numbers just like, you know, if you need a place to sleep tonight, I have a bungalow. Or if you know, when you, if you need a ride because you're dead drunk, if you need a ride home, we'll take you home. And that number that I gave to the girl, she called me up. She didn't need a ride, she didn't need a place. He said, you know what, I had enough of this. It's enough. Get me into seminary. I didn't give my number out to seminary. I was thinking of seminary? Not in a billion years. I gave her my number so she's drunk and stuck somewhere. She needs a ride. I'll give her a ride. His brother said, you just give out your number. You just, you start. You try. You hear what Moshe Rabbeinu heard. And that'll make the difference. You have no power to do anything. That's the truth. It's all up to Akash Baruch And that's the Mishnah that I really want to speak about tonight. It's a Mishnah in Perki Avos. And the Mishnah says the following. Oh, I lost my paper. So you're going to have to give me a minute. It's in Perki Avos, I believe, Tarek Shani, the last Mishnah. I must have said this Mishnah over probably at least four or five hundred times in the last couple of weeks. Because a lot of people told me, I can't go out and help you. It's not my thing. I'm not a care professional. I don't know what to say. I said, you don't have to say anything. There's no such thing as a care professional. There is no such thing. You became a professional like everything else. All right, I'm a care professional. It's my card. Okay, there is no such thing as a care professional. I have to tell you, I, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Because that's the way I am. So, so I'm in a store... Sunday, this past Sunday. So, I, you know, I didn't get much sleep. I went to sleep again at 6. And I bought Hashem. I went to Tavern. I went to play baseball. You know, you, got, you can't miss your softball league. And, Bach Hashem, I realized I hit the ball much further when I have no sleep. 
So, you know, maybe I won't go to sleep anymore before I play tonight. But anyway, so Sunday morning, you know, I'm in this zone totally. I'm dead tired. I haven't slept. And I go to the supermarket in Woodridge to buy something. This guy comes over to me. He says, hi, Rebel Wallace. And I'm like, hi. He says, you know, my son, my son-in-law, he's, um, he just went to a five-day course on Kirith. I said, really? He says, yeah. And um, he said that what you're doing is, is wrong. <laughs> he said, really? He said, yeah, I think, I think you, should, um, you should speak to him. And, you know, the, the, the course that he went to, I don't know what course it was, for five days on, on Kirith, that, you know, I think you should speak to him, and maybe the professor, whoever, the rabbi, whoever gave the course, because he really feels that what you're doing in the mountains with, you know, forcing, you know, taking away the kids' pool hall and making it, you know, separate, it's not going to work in the long term, in the right term. I said, by the way, how old is your son-in-law? This is my son almost 26. I said, I'm in Chinuch more than he's blind. <laughs> he goes, I know, but you're not up to date. So, I, I walked out and I said, okay, Hashem, I get the message. You know, and nothing happens for no reason, whatever it is. I, I can't tell you I was very happy. I was a little bit upset about the whole thing. But I realized that today, it became a profession. You go to class and they teach you when you see somebody say, Hi, my name is Chaim. How are you? What is your name? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Number two. Don't ask about his parents. Don't ask it. This is not what it's about. It's about, and I just want to tell you this, Kirov is not something that you can learn. Kirov is just caring about another Jew. That's all. There's no, there's no books, there's no manuals. Just care. You care about someone else, they know you care about it. That's the whole Kirov in a nutshell. You don't need to say nothing. You don't need no book. You don't need no directions. Just show them that you love them, show them that you're there for them, and show them that you don't judge them. And if you do that, you don't need any manuals, you don't need anything. But, there, you know, it became something, you know, a profession... It's not a profession. Don't ever think it's a profession. It's not psychology. It's just caring about someone else. And if you care about someone else, like I say, L-O-V-E takes care of A-D-D, A-D-H-D, A-D-B-C-D, M-G-N, and all those other initials that you get, just give them a little L-O-V-E and it blows everything away. Trust me. Okay. Anyway, I'm just I'm just airing out a little bit. I'm sorry. You're my best therapy. What should I tell you? I should really pay each one of you 115 hours. All right. Divide it amongst yourselves, it comes out to a quarter. I'll be big, I'll give you twenty quarter on the way out. Okay, the Mishnah Chaf, Erek Gimel. Rabbi Tafran Omer, from Tafran says, Hayom Kotzer, the day is short, life is short. Life is short, how long does a person live? 70 years, 80 years. Short, goes very fast. Hamalacha Merubah, there's a lot of work to do. Hapolim Atzelim, the workers are very lazy. But God is paying big, big, big rewards for what you do. And the owner of the world, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is either insistent, it means, or he's waiting. He's waiting. This is a very depressing Mishnah. For any girl that really wants to turn it on and live her life and do the right thing, it's telling you, listen, you're not going to live long. you got too much work to do. You're lazy. Right? And you're missing out on a lot of payment, and of course, Buck was waiting for you. Sounds like a very depressing, very depressing mission. Interesting, the word Hayom Katzer. It should say Hashanim. Your years are short. What does it mean the day is short? And the answer is, if you ever go to a real big tzaddik, they give you a bracha, right? They, they give you a bracha for Arichas Yamin. Not Arichas Shanim. Arichas Yamin. 
And the Torah gives you a reward. The Torah says, if you do give it up the aim, Lamai Yerichud Yomecha, not Shinoi Secha, that you should have many days, not many years. Why? Why does it say the day is short? And the answer is that you could live a hundred years and not live one day. You can live a hundred years and not live one day. Waste your whole life. But you can't live thousands and thousands of days and not live a long life in years. If every day you live, and you live many days, if I give someone a bracha, you should live hundreds of thousands of days, automatically you're going to live a very long, a hundred years. But if I give you a bracha, you should live a hundred years, doesn't mean you're going to live a hundred days. Because a day, a day is judged by what you do. In other words, if you're a person who sleeps 20 hours a day, and I ask you, so what's your day like? What, what, what did you do today? You're not going to tell me I slept 20 hours. That's nothing. That, that's For four hours, I did this, 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 and the other thing. So your day only existed for four hours. So what the mission is telling us is that our days are short. Because we don't use them. Eight hours we sleep. Eight hours, eight hours we work. And eight hours we play. When do we give our time to Tucker's Barker? How much time do we spend davening? How many times do we spend on chesed? How many times, how much time do we spend serving God? So we said the yom is cut, so the day is short. And there's so much work to do. And we're very lazy. Eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Eh, I'll change next year. Eh, after I get married and I have kids. No, then I'll get serious. We're very lazy. But Hashem says, but I got such a large payment for you. There's so much out there. I'm willing to pay you so much per hour. Listen, if we had a, a, a day and someone said to you, tomorrow, every hour I'm giving you a million dollars. There's not one girl in here that will not work those 24 hours. She's not going to sleep. You can make $24 million tomorrow. Right? You work 24 hours. There's nothing to talk about. So, because Bob was saying, I know you're lazy. But I'm willing to pay you millions and millions for every mitzvah that you do. I can't even pay you on this world. I can only pay you in the next world. So what are you sleeping for? <coughs> Now the same Rabbi Tarifa, now I'm getting, you know, we're depressed. I got a lot of work, I got no time, I'm lazy. Depressing. So now Rabbi Tarifa comes with his second mission. Who are you, Aymer? He says the following. And this is what I quoted at least 500 times. Lo alecha hamalacha ligmar. It is not for you to finish the job. Many of us think, listen, I can't change her anyway. I can't finish this job anyway. So why should I get started? Us as human beings, we don't like to start things that we can't finish. Most of us. Right? Someone gives you a puzzle. And it's 20,000 pieces. You're not going to start that puzzle. Because I'm never going to finish the puzzle anyway. Right? But if the puzzle's 200 pieces, you'll start it because you can finish it. So Rabbi Taka's coming along and he's telling us, you're not going to finish this. It's not for you to finish. It's not for you to finish. But Hashem says, it's not for you to walk away from it either. You can't walk away from the puzzle. You're right. It's a 20,000 piece puzzle and you might do 200 pieces. Someone else is going to do the other 200. And another person is going to do another 200. And another person is going to do another 200. You know what? In the end of time, it's all going to be finished. You were just part of that puzzle. Therefore, even though it looks like you're not going to be able to finish it, you don't have to finish it. It's not about, life is not about finishing. Life is about starting. It's the wrong psychology that you have to finish the race. But you got to start the race. Because Rachel says, I'll finish the race for you. But if you don't start the race, you're not in the race. Now, 
we're all thinking this is talking about other people. And the mission is talking about ourselves. It's not for you when you work on yourself and you say, listen, why should I stop doing this? I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. I'm still doing this. So I'm, I got better at one, in one aspect of my life. <laughs> it's nothing. This is what it's talking about. You, you don't have the koyach, and I'm going to talk to you about this for a few minutes. You, no one in this room has the strength without God's help to change anything in this world. The only thing you have the strength is to start. Is to start something. We don't have the strength to, to finish anything. So therefore the mission says, it's not for you to be a professional and all this. It's not for you to finish. But don't you walk away from it. You don't have permission to walk away from it, says the Mishnah. If you learn a lot of Torah, they'll give you a lot of schar. And don't worry. The Mishnah says, Hashem has plenty of, plenty to give you. He doesn't bounce checks. And you should know that the real payment is not on this world. The real payment is on the next world. This is a very, very important Mishnah to me. Because many of us make this mistake that we have to finish. Because Baruch Hu knows if I would have started this whole situation this summer and said that if we can't fix the whole problem, let's forget about it, then, then, then all the people that got involved wouldn't have happened because the problem is bigger than any one of us. Everything is bigger than any one of us. We all need our Kodesh Baruch Hu's help in our own life. Everyone says to me, how do I change? How do I change? And you know what? Just want to change and plug into God because you can't change. You need a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Why is that called Siyata Dishmaya? The biggest bracha is Siyata Dishmaya. Before I give a shir, I ask for a bracha for my wife. Before I give the shir, I need, give me a bracha Siyata Dishmaya. I cannot get up here and give you a shir if I don't have Hashem's help because how am I talking? How's my brain thinking? Doesn't think that much, but what it does, right? How's it thinking? How's my, my mouth talking? How are you hearing? It's only through Hashem's help. Without Hashem's help, it's a nice day. Without Hashem's help, everything closes down. The problem is that we don't realize that. So we all think, I, I have to do it. I have to do it. You don't have to do nothing. You just have to start. I'm telling you. In my whole life, in every look at Ornava. Look at Ornava. I ever dreamt that Ornava would be what it is. We started with 12, 16 girls. Because both who said, just give him a share. Just give him a share twice, once a week we start. Just give a share once a week. Anyone dreamt that it's going to become what it became? No. Did I make it what it is today? No. All I can do in Shemayim after 120 years is say, God, I started it. Everything else you did, but I, I, I started it. I heard Moshe Rabbeinu said, Hashem said, get out of here. And I'm going to destroy class. And Moshe Rabbeinu heard, if you get out of here. Because Baruch is the one wants all of us to start something. Talk to somebody else. Talk to yourself. Go home tonight and start. You're right. You can't change. You have this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem. You can't change the whole thing. But Hashem says, I'll do that. Because you can't do that anyway. But you have to start. Just open the door. That's all that Kodesh wants. And that's what, that's what the Mishnah tells us. Just, just last night there was a tornado. Yes, a tornado. Not a tornado. A choikas between weathermen. What's a tornado? Not a tornado. But if you go through Borough Park, you see trees ripped out and, 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 and on Osho Park, on one side till, till probably Ditmas, the biggest trees are out, the concrete is flipped out, everything is, it's unbelievable. Mashu. On the other side, nothing. Right? So, I'm listening to people's comments today. I, you know, I like to listen to people. Right? You heard? What? It was a tornado. 
Wow, wow, yeah, 120 mile hour wind just came down one side of Ocean Parkway. Mama, it's crazy. Trees ripped out my backyard, my this, my that. Wow, unbelievable. Shh, what happened? Oh, low pressure, high pressure. It's 95 degrees, and that's what happens. Weather forecast, the newspapers. God? No, nothing to do with him. That five blocks, he could rip out every tree, and across Ocean Parkway, nothing? It's nature. Instead of looking at it, and saying, look what I could propose. We just wanted to, why did he do this? Like, everything has a reason. Why did he rip off half of Ocean Parkway, half of Borough Park, Bay Ridge, and my 23rd and I, he didn't touch. Nothing to do with me. He didn't touch me in 23rd. He wanted to show you, if it was massive over the whole Flatbush, so we'd say a big storm came in, right? Nothing to do with God, big storm, low pressure, took it out. Because Ruff says, watch what I, watch, Watch my finger. I'm taking out these four streets, then I'm going this way, then I'm going this way, like an Etch-a-Sketch. Then I'm going this way, then I'm going this way. Instead of any human being looking at it and saying, wow, because Buffalo just wanted to show us a sample of his unbelievable clan, 140 mile an hour winds, trees, with the whole concrete coming up, right? Instead of looking at it and saying, my Naira, what an unbelievable God, this is, this is fascinating. And because Buffalo Mamash just moved his finger just, just to show us where it's at, everyone's like, Wow, storm, pressure, this, that. We, we don't see Yad Hashem. And that's what we don't understand, that if we understood that you could just start something, and the rest is going to be the Yad Hashem, you could do anything. Everyone in this room, you could change the world. You could change the world. All you need to do is to care. Is to hear what Moshe Rabbeinu heard. That without me, Klai Yisrael is going to be destroyed. If anyone in this room felt that way, that without me, the rest of the will be destroyed. All of you would be jumping and hopping and changing and doing and chesed and you, I could you, you twenty-four hours a day. But we don't think that. We said, eh, I'm not going to make a difference. What can I do already? So I'll help one girl. It's at the end of the world. Meanwhile, you help one girl. You help the whole world because her children and her grandchildren and her great grandchildren and maybe one of them is going to be a rebbe and one of them is going to be a nurse. So we're going to help this one with that. Who knows? By changing one person, the Yitzhar tells you, eh. You can't finish it anyway. You're not a professional. You don't know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're doing. I saw parents as much as Shabbos never spoke to a kid outside their own children in their life. And the girls and the boys wanted to talk to them more than talk to me. Because I'm a professional. I'm Rabbi Wallerstein. And if I talk to somebody outside a bowling alley or pool, he has a reason. He wants to be Makar of me. I don't want to be Makar so for a moment, I was, I was wishing I was one of those parents. They were talking to these kids, and they, you know, they're parents. They're hanging out with us. And they were talking to them openly, opening their heart to them, telling them their whole story. Me, they wouldn't talk to because I'm Rabbi Walsh, I'm a Rebbe. So, so you, you don't understand, not being a professional is even greater. But you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that. You have the ability. Zotbe Mishnah, Lalalecham, Lachalikbar. It's not for you to finish. Just get it started. Just start with yourself. With yourself. Just get it started. Shemunikia, this and that. Just tell, I was talking to someone about it tonight. I said, just start off one week. We Shemunikia, one week. Rabbi, how can you say that? So one week at a time. One week at a time. Because if you're going to tell the Yates of Hara, you'll be Shemunikia for the rest of my life. you say, uh-huh? You think so. You tell him one week, you say, okay, one week, I'll let you go. And then the next week, you're like, ah, just one more week. And one more week. There's a mission that this Gemara says, 
The Yitzhahara is bothering you, schlep him into the base manager. Gemara. Yitzhahara is bothering you, schlep him into the base manager. So everybody asks, if he's bothering you, you don't want to go to the base manager. That's the last place you can schlep him into. If I can schlep him into the base manager, he's not bothering me. Right? So Chazal answers very, very humbly. He says, the Yitzhahara is a malach, very smart. So if, you're gonna, if he's going to tell you, let's go to the movies. Right? And you're going to tell him, no, I'm going to learn. It's going to make you crazy to get you to go to the movies. So the Chazal said, this is what you need to tell him. Hey, Yitzhahara, I'm going to go to the movies. So I'm going to waste my time. I'm going to do my Adairo, let's say. But no one else, I'm not going to get anyone else. But if you let me go to the base membership, I'm going to go into Yeshiva. I'm going to talk to every single guy. I'm not going to let anybody learn. I'm going to bother everyone in the base membership. Whoa! I'll get you a ride. Every light will be green. We'll get you there in 10 minutes. Says Chazal. When the Yitzhah is bothering you, tell him I'm going to the base measures to make trouble. Once you're in the base measures, say, ah, I'm here now, I gotta learn. Yeah, he's a malach, you have to know what you're doing. So sometimes when you deal with the Yitzhahara, you have to say, what am I left I'm not stopping, I was telling the boys last night, I'm not stopping from smoking totally, but I just want to stop smoking for a week. Even in your own mindset, in your own brain, if you say, I'm not eating cake for the rest of my life, you know, I don't have to tell you what's going to happen. Right? Not eating cake ever again. No more carbs till I die. Finish. You have no chance. Listen to me. You have no chance on that diet at all. Because you're going to say, after a week, what am I, nuts? The rest of my life? No, I can't do this. It's impossible. I can't do this. But if you say... I just want to lose a little weight. Two weeks. Two weeks, no carbs. You're not going to get a big fight from your conscience. Okay, two weeks. It's not the end of the world. In two weeks, we're going to have <laughs> some layer of brownies. Oh, we're going to make up for those two weeks. <laughs> then you get past those two weeks, and you're like, you know what? Like, I don't crave anymore because it's two weeks out of my system. I don't really need it. And I'll try another two weeks. And all of a sudden, you could end up dying for the rest of your life and keeping the diet. But if you say, rest of my life, I'm not eating carbs, you don't have a chance. You don't have to say in your mind that that's it for the rest of my life. Just a week at a time, a day at a time, a minute at a time, an hour at a time. That's the way you beat him. If you take it on all at one time, there are certain times, there are certain times where you have to take it on all at one time. When you're mamish in a big danger, like my father, Lashon, was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, there was no such thing as, I'm going down to two, I'm going down to one. He had to go from three to zero. There are certain times when your mom is in danger, just like when a person's health is in danger, right? And he's heart sick and he cannot eat certain foods anymore. That's it, finished. It's not like, you know, get off the meats once a week, eat it twice a week, not five times a week, it's you can't eat meat anymore. If you have kidney stones, you can't eat chocolate anymore. That's it. It's not like, oh, you can have a bar here and a bar there. No, you can't. So when a person's in danger, then sometimes it has to be in one shot. But if the person's not in danger, they're working on themselves and they're trying to grow, don't start off like, ah, I'm going to finish and I'm going to take it to the end. Right now, this is what I want to do. And then the next week again, and then the next week again, keep being macabre on yourself, little by little, piece by piece, and then you'll be able to do it. Okay. So, there's a story, I said it a long time ago. Also, I was thinking, you know, Maisa Hashem, when this bridge collapsed, Everyone looks at it as news. I don't look at news. Because I'm a very big believer that God does everything for a reason. So a bridge doesn't just collapse. It doesn't just collapse, right? Now this bridge was around 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. 40, 60, 
40? Sorry, okay, between 30 and 40. Okay, so the bridge is around 40 years and it collapses. Now I'm thinking to myself, I go up Bear Mountains for the last 27 years with my class. I climb Bear Mountains, much bigger than this bridge. I was never worried that Bear Mountains is going to collapse. I'm up there with my whole class, maybe it's going to collapse. Why? Because a mountain doesn't collapse unless there's an earthquake. Mountains don't collapse, right? Unless there's a volcano or an earthquake, they don't collapse. So I'm thinking to myself, see how Kurt Baruch what did you show us? That a human bridge with all the technology, it wasn't built 300 years ago. It was just built 60 years ago. With all the technology that we have, a human bridge can collapse at any time. But a mountain that's here for almost 6,000 years, that can't collapse. What an unbelievable God what you created. What you created, everything works. You can take a tornado and weave it through a community and take down trees and leave the other side of the street alone. That is, that is amazing. That is wow. That is cool. That's crazy. God, that's unbelievable. And that's how you should be walking away from the storm last night. Nah, wow. The weather forecast, we had a warning from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and, da, 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 and the lightning was going every two seconds. Why did Hashem put it? Hashem had nothing else to do. He says, okay, uh, let's see, uh, Wednesday morning, lightning show. <laughs> he did it for all of us who woke up, and every two seconds there was another lightning say, because we was saying, listen guys, hello, I'm here. I'm here. So everyone took the pillow, put it over their head, and went back to sleep. <laughs> nothing is for nothing. It's for us to learn. Thunder. Thunder is the biggest waste. Thunder is a big waste. It does nothing. Right? It does nothing. Lightning, it's a tree, blows up a tree, it's a power plant. Right? What does thunder do? Nothing. I tell my kids, no, it's after the lightning. I tell my kids, if you hear the thunder, you have nothing to worry about. Thunder never hurt anybody. If you get hit by lightning, you won't hear the thunder. So, if you hear the thunder, it means you didn't get hit by the lightning. Good thing. When you hear a big thunder, say, thank you, Hashem. That means they didn't get hit by the lightning. Right? Thunder does nothing. So they asked in Chazal, why do we have thunder? Who in this room ever thought to themselves, if it does nothing, Hashem doesn't waste anything. If it does nothing, why do we have thunder? Chazal asked the question. Why do you have thunder? Because if there's lightning, there has to be thunder. Hashem wrote that book, wrote the manual. If there's lightning, there doesn't have to be thunder. There's even heat lightning that has no thunder. There is lightning that has no thunder. And Chazal says the thunder was created... To, to like a shaifar, to wake up your heart and your soul to do tshuva. How many people in this room know that? Thunder was created that when you sit there you go, oh my God, I'm scared. What are you scared of? The awe and the power of God. So you better check out what your Mitzvah and Avera situation is doing. Thunder was created to wake us up. So if you hear crazy thunder that your whole house shakes from it, then Akash Baruch was saying, you're all sleeping. I'm going to shake your houses. I'm not going to hurt you. He created something that can wake you up without hurting you. It's not a disease. It's not a fire. It's not lightning. It's a sound. It's a chesed. Girls, it's a huge chesed thunder. We make a bracha. What's the bracha? That your strength and your greatness fills the world. That's what thunder is. That you should make a bracha. Instead of instead of putting your head under the pillow, you stand there, you make a bracha, and you say, I get the message. I'm going to sit down now and think a little bit about what I'm doing. How many of us do that? Yeah, it's the summer, it's a thunderstorm. 
We expect thunderstorm. Thunderstorm. Shem just created them for what? To cool off the air? You don't need thunder to cool off the air. I got all these answers from my class. Thunderstorm to cool off the air. You don't need thunder to cool off the air. You need rain to cool off the air. Thunder's a waste. It's just noise. It's a lot of noise. And the answer is, it's the shofar. Hashem didn't want to wait till El because of what's going on. In El, you hear the shofar every day. This month, we're hearing a different shofar. I was in the mountains last Friday night. Oy, 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 oy. It, was, it was scary. The houses were shaking in Woodridge. From thunder. Shaking. Houses. Not from the houses. That's how deep the thunder was. And I said to myself, oh boy, I need to do tshuva. That's Hashem Shaifa. Why Aleph and Ligmar, it's not for you to finish, but just get started and understand what's going on in this world. So I just want to end with a story. A story that I said a long time ago. There was a prince, you know, the Medrash talks a lot about princes. Princes and princesses. And there was a princess actually, and a king, and he had this beautiful daughter. And there were many princes around that country that wanted to marry her. And the king didn't know which one. So he took her and he put her in a tower without any doors. No windows, no doors. She was in the tower. That's what he said. And he told all the princes, in fact, he told all the people, that anyone who could get into the tower, listen carefully, anyone that can get into the tower and get to the top and find her, can marry her. Get the princess. So, all the eligible bachelors, right, come piling out, hundreds of them, thousands of them, and they come to this, it looks like a sphinx, right? And they come there and they say, so the princess is in there, we're going to find the door. And they start looking and this way and that way, and they're using cameras and binoculars and magnifying glasses and, and all kinds of tricks, and, and, and they're trying to figure out architecture, and they can't get in. And the first day there's a hundred, let's say a thousand guys, the next day there's five hundred, next day there's two hundred fifty, and slowly the word goes out that the king is just playing a trick on everybody. There's no princess, there's no way in, there's no way out. This Pigantazak is a big bluff. It's a bluff. A month after this whole thing began, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone except one guy. There's one guy there. And he is trying his hardest to figure out how to get into this place. And he's trying to look for a trap door and he's trying to push buttons and he's trying... He is working and he's working and everybody's gone and he gets up in the morning and he's feeling the rocks and he, he's measuring and he's looking and he's trying and he's doing glares and, 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 and shadows and he has to get to this princess. Nobody else is around. The princess who's in this closed up castle sees that after everybody ran away, right, there's only one guy that really wants her enough that it's already 45 days, two months, this Michigana is trying and trying everything. He's climbing, he's, he's, he's running up, he, he's trying all kinds of stuff, he's throwing rocks, and he's not getting in. She says, you know what? This guy really, really wants me, really. So she sticks her, there's, there's an immovable rock, she moves a rock, he's fast asleep, right? He's leaning against this pyramid, and she takes a little pebble, and she throws it on his head. And she closes the, the, the window, whatever it is, she closes it really tight, this thing hits him in the head. And he wakes up. And he looks around. And he says, hold on. That rock. I know every rock here. Because I've been here three months. That rock wasn't here when I went to sleep. My head hurts. <laughs> She's in there. She's in there. And he tries double as hard. Because now, he 
that a little bit aside. And she's really in there. So now he, all that energy that he was losing, he's there for three months, he doesn't have the same energy. He's got the adrenaline, he's got the energy. She's here! She threw this rock on my head! She loves me! Oh, God, you're crazy. Oh, she loves me! She cares about me! Oh, she wants to marry me! She threw a rock at you guys. Oh, she wants to marry me! All right. She looked at me. She even smiled. So, he tries even harder. He tries even harder. He can't find it. Another month goes by. He's mamish. Throw a rock in my head already, you know? She's watching him. She's like, never. This guy's really trying so hard. She waits till he falls asleep. It's now four months, five months. She opens up the, the window. And instead of throwing a rock, she throws a flower. She throws a flower. <laughs> she throws a flower. He wakes up the next morning. And there's a flower next to him, a rose, whatever, a tulip, whatever it is. Next to him, he goes, I know all the area, there's no flowers here. Shh, now he gets even crazier. Flower! <laughs> I must find the way in. Well, my son, it took him six months, and after six months, he got lucky. And after six months of examining and checking and working and doing and this and that, one day, there's a shadow see the shadow, the way the sun hit the, the, the thing, whatever it was, sees the shadow and he sees that there's one stone that doesn't match the rest of it. And he goes over to that stone and he gives it a push and a door opens up. And now, aha, right? Door opens up. I'm not going to schlep the story. He goes through the door, he goes up the steps, boom. There's a wall, end of, end of deal. There's nothing there. And he sits down and he says, I can't believe this. I got to this point. And that's it. I'm stuck again. And Nochamol, for a day and two, he's bending, he's trying, and then, and then, and She's watching him. And she says, look at this guy. He doesn't give up. Now I'm going to show him that I really care. And she takes off her bracelet. And while he's sleeping, she throws the bracelet down, hits him in the shoulder, he wakes up. There's a gold bracelet sitting next to him. The queen did the princess's bracelet. I can't stop. And as the story goes, and you can sit here all night, each step he takes, she throws something else down. And the last, he's one step away. He's one wall away. And the last thing she throws to him is her crown. And he's sitting there, and this crown comes flying down <laughs> on his head. <laughs> and the next step he's in. And of course, the princess and him get married and live happily ever after. What's, what's the marshal? What's the, what's the Dilma Magi's marshal? And the marshal is like this. This is carefully. This is such a huge story. This story has given me, from when I heard it, I heard it a long time ago. It's given me such kaya to do what I do. And the story is about Hashem as the princess. And we are the people that are looking for God. Everybody in this room is looking for God. The whole class was looking for God. And Akash Bokhut says, I'm here. You have to find me. And a lot of people, okay. I don't hear him. Ah, he's not here. Hashem, give me a shidduch. Tomorrow I'm going out with a guy. This should be the right guy. Wrong guy. Ah, he's not here. Oh, my business is not doing good. Hashem, I need good, good business. No, he's not here. I need a full shalom. My grandmother's sick. She dies. Ah, he's not here. And all the people that are underneath the tower, 
They're all looking for God. They try. They look. They try. They dab and this, that. They try, but they don't get the answer right away. They're gone. But the person who really wants to find a kaddish baruch hu, lecha, big bar. It's not for you to find me, but it's for you to look for. Me. The person who day after day says, "I'm not happy. I want to meet you. I know you're there. I want to find you. I want to find you." All of a sudden, while you're sleeping, you get a little bang on the head. Wake up. I'm here. Thunderstorm, tornado, something in life. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes the first bang on the head to know that Hashem's there is a little bit of a bang. Something happened in your life that hurts a little bit, but you know that's coming from a Christian And you say, hey, that wasn't here before. That came from somewhere. That thunderstorm came from somewhere. That came from somewhere. That wasn't here last week. Those trees, you drive down Ocean Park and say, those trees weren't looking like that last week. The king is in the castle. I need to find him. The next thing he throws down to you is a rose. No more pain, no more Yisurim. Are you still looking for me? You had Yisurim? Things in life didn't go good and you're still looking for me? You didn't walk away like the rest of them? Here's a rose. You're still looking for me? Here's a bracelet. You're still looking for me? Here's something else. Here's something else till finally. Till finally, says Shlomo Melech. Because Baruch gives you his crown. For you are the queen. Shlomo Melech says, in the end, why? Because he looks for you. And he will give you the signs along the way. Sometimes painful, sometimes a rose, sometimes a rock. But you just got to keep looking. And if you keep looking in the end, he will open the doors for you. And that's what the mission says. It's not for you to finish. But it's for you not to give up. If you look at the Mishnah... The words are very interesting, and, and I'm ending with this. I want to quote the words. It's not for you to finish. So what should it say? It's not for you to finish, it's for you to start. Right? It's not for you to finish, it's for you to start. That's what the mission says. The mission says, It's not for you to finish. And you are not free to walk away from it. Doesn't say it's not for you to finish, it's for you to start. It says not start, it's not enough. So there were 2,000 guys that came to the, to the castle, but they walked away. It's not for you to walk away. That's what the Mishnah says. Stay there, keep looking. You'll throw a rock, you'll throw a rose, you'll throw a bracelet, and in the end you'll get the crown. Says this week's Pasha. First Pasha, this week's Pasha. Re'ay, look. See the thunderstorm. See the tornado. See the bridge that collapsed. See what's going on in the world. Re'ay, look. Anoichi. Noichi. I'm the one who brought the tornado. I'm the one who brings the bracha. And I'm the one who brings the club. You have to know who's behind it, says the Pasha. And then the Pasuk says something very fascinating. It says, Es bracha, and the bracha is, Hashem You will listen to the mitzvah that Hashem gave you, that I gave you today, and the Pasuk doesn't tell us what the bracha is. The Pasuk says, and the bracha is, if you listen to the mitzvah that I gave you today, and the Pasuk ends. And then the Pasuk says, and the curses, if you're not going to listen to the mitzvah of Hashem, and you're going to go off the derech, and you're going to go follow other gods, What's the curse? The Pasuk doesn't say. What's going on here? 
You tell me you're going to tell me the bracha. You tell me you're going to tell me the quality. You don't tell me either. And the answer is, the Tzapat is telling us, the bracha is that you listen to Hashem. The klala is if you don't listen to Hashem. Not! The bracha is you listen to Hashem. I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you health. I'm going to give you wealth. No. The biggest bracha, and I don't have time to go into it tonight, the biggest bracha that a human being can have is to come onto this world as a human being on the highest level. We're all on the highest level. We're not rocks and we're not weeds and we're not cows. Right? There's four levels in this world. Doimeim, which is a rock. Tzameach is a plant. Chai is an animal. Medaber is us. We're on the highest level. Everyone in this room is on the highest level being in this world. That's it. Can't be higher. Who knows how many Gugula, I'm not going to talk about it, I spoke last time by the boys, that maybe I'll talk about that last week. Gugula, you have to go from a rock, then you become a plant, then a cow eats you, then you eat the cow, and that's how a person, you know, the tikkun of the neshama, sometimes the rock is misaking, you use the rock, you build a base medrash, sometimes the plant is misaking, you make a bracha on a tree, on a on an apple, and that's why you save the neshama in the apple. Sometimes it's the animal, you know, the, the, the chacham used to go for fish, they used to look at the fish, or Shabbos, Say, this fish should have the right neshama, this fish doesn't have the right neshama, you have to throw it in. Sometimes it's the animal that has neshama, and you have to make a bracha on it. If I'm making a bracha on it, you know, Nebuchadnezzar poor neshama. You know, he, he started off as, as sand, and the, the farmer went and planted something, and the grass grew, and then the, 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 the cow ate the grass, right? And then the guy shefted the cow, and Nebuchadnezzar neshama had to go through all these gugulim, right? And then finally there's a piece of flocket from the cow, and you stuck it in your chillin', and that poor neshama is sitting in your chillin' for 24 hours at 800 degrees, with all those beans and everything, and that's the way till Shabbos, till you make a bracha, you make a mochi, and you eat it, ah, I make Shabbos, and the Shabbos is free to go to the next world. That's, all, that's, a, that's some trick. Right? That's some trick. So, everyone in this room, you all did this trip already. We all did it. We're done. We're at the highest level. Maybe we were a once upon a time. Maybe we were a fish. Maybe we were an apple or an orange. You know, I don't want you to get depressed what you were. It doesn't matter what you were. You know, we go to big people to read our palms. We my palm. What was I? Where was I? And my Rebbe, Rebbe Gamaliel says, who cares what you were? Find out who you are. Everyone wants to know, what was I in the last time I was here? Who cares what you were last time? Find out who you are. Nobody ever goes to the Makubu, right? Tell me who I am. No. No, we don't ask. It's like, who was I? Where was I last time I was here? Who was my soulmate? Who is my soulmate? Soulmate? You don't even know who you are. What about the mate? First find out who you are. How can you have a mate if you don't know who you are? Nobody wants to know that. Rabbi, tell me, who my soulmate? What was I? Where was I? And I got me over. Rabbi says, he laughs. He says, who are you? Not, who were you? And what's my future? Tell me my future. Read my palm. Tell me my future. Rabbi Gamil always says, we don't, people don't know their present. What are you in your present, where you are now? What are you? I don't know. So what do I know in your future? Right? So everybody in this room went through all these Google. Some of us came out of Gehenna. Some of us came out of Ganeden. Depending what reason we're here. The bottom line is we're not in Gehenna. We're not in Ganeden. We're not a plant. We're not grass. We're not a tomato. We're not a rock. We're not a tree. We're not a cow. So therefore, because Bokhu says, Today, if you're reading this Pasha, that means you're a human. You're not a cow reading the Pasha. You're a human. Today. Look, today. Where you are now. You're a human being. And therefore, 
being a human being can be the greatest bracha if you listen to me and you do my mitzvahs. Being a human being can be the biggest club if you do Averis. You can be much worse off now coming back, right? To fix one Avera and you go back up with another million. So what'd you do? You messed up. You came back a lot worse. So Kishbaku, the first pussy is such a big pussy this week's Pasha. Today, you're a human being. Today, look at where you are and what you're doing and understand that as a human being, the biggest bracha is to want to keep my mitzvahs and the biggest kolachas for Shalom is to do Averis. Therefore, my bracha to everyone here is don't give up. Whatever you're doing in life, all the tests that you're going through, and we all have our tests. Girls that are going out for a long time, why is Hashem doing this to me? People who don't have a panacea, why is Hashem doing this to me? People who don't have shalom bias, why is Hashem doing this to me? We have this question all the time. So you could say, Hashem, throw something down from the top of the tower. Just let me know you're there. That's a fine, that's a good thought. But don't talk, turn around, says the Mishnah. Don't walk away from the castle. If you walk away from the castle, you'll never get the crown, and you'll never get the princess. And that's Christ's real job. We need Mashiach, and we want Mashiach. How does one get Mashiach? By sticking around the castle, and by saying, we don't give up, we're looking for you, Akhazabah. Because Bob says, if you look for me, in the end, you will get me. How will you get me? I will bring you back to the base Hamikdash, to my castle, where I live, I will bring you back, and you, the God's Kaisrael, the whole nation of Kaisrael, you will be the prince. You will be the, the, actually the princess that I will marry. And it says that when Mashiach comes, and I always dream about this when I go to a wedding, it says when Mashiach comes, there's going to be a chuppah, girls. A chuppah. Could you imagine the whole way to Yerushalayim, to the coastal, to the base Hamidosh, there's going to be a base Hamidosh, made out of fire, but not out of fire that burns out of the same fire that the Sneh had. The beautiful base Hamidash is going to be like a chuppah. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to stand with us. Right? He's going to stand with us. Like they do in the, in the chuppah. The, the chassan is going to go first to the base Hamidash. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to turn around and he's going to wait for the whole nation, all of you, not one person, all of us as one, to walk that path to the chuppah. And I don't know if Hashem's Sfadi or Ashkenazi. Okay? <laughs> So I don't know he's going to step forward halfway down and turn back. I like that's nicer. And turn back and walk us back. We're just going to wait till we walk. But it says that the Goyim are going to see this. The whole world, if you could imagine this. The whole world, just like when a Kala walks into the room, everybody stands up. The whole world is going to stand up and walk. When Kaisro walks down the Chopin to be married to Akash Baruch. How can we do that? Who can, who can marry Akash Baruch? Says the Mishnah. Not for you to do, but it's for you to start. Start to walk down the chuppah. Kishbach will be, we'll finish it. It's lachat to everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.